DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Kyle Whittingham coming up momentarily. The running backs are talking today. Youth spring football continues on. We've heard from the quarterbacks and the quarterback battle, and right after that, the next most interesting thing is the running back battle. Going to the transfer portal, trying to find who is going to be the next star running back for the University of Utah. And, of course, the question might be, how good is the offensive line going to be? Because if the O-line's really good, then maybe multiple guys could do it. But we'll see if they, uh, if they have a pecking order established, a hierarchy that Kyle wants to talk about or not. You got any expectations there, PK? Yes, I do. What would you yes. expect? Well, one of these three guys to emerge, and maybe the fourth guy, this incoming freshman, Parks, I think his name is, because that's the pattern in Utah. You know, that's that, that's why I don't really count last year's game against SC, because Ty Jordan emerged in that game. Well, if they would have had the non-conference games, he would have been ready to go that game. He would have been that much further. Let's just look where he was in game three versus game one. Well, under a normal season, they would have had the three games, right? And so mm-hmm. by the time they got to SC, that would have been game four. The schedule played out if that's the way it was. I don't remember if that was their first game or not. But the point being, when they go into this situation, like basically what they've had this year, they've had the same thing because we know that Moss left last year. And so then they had these guys who were on the roster unproven, thought they had something, new guy coming in, freshman. Now the tragedy with uh, – uh, Ty Jordan ends up being the same situation. You don't have anybody who's proven as a running back at the University of Utah, but if you look at what Kyle likes, he likes one guy to receive the majority of the carries and then other guys spell him. And obviously that was Moss and then it was Ty Jordan, so they're going to use that, I would think, the non-conference games to find out exactly who it is and then go from there. And last year, Jordan jumped off the uh, the football field, basically, as you say, wow, this kid, man. And then, sure enough, that's exactly what he was. Uh, here, I don't know that any of those guys are as good as this guy, as, as Ty was. I can't say that. But I suspect that they're going to find someone who's going to be the leader in carries, and he's going to get two-thirds of the carries. Because if they don't, well – it's probably not what Kyle wants, no matter what he says, because <laughs> rather than what he says is what look what he does, and that's what they do. And Andy Ludwig now is in control of the offense, obviously. The offense is in very much capable hands. I think he's an outstanding coordinator, and they'll figure it out. I suspect that they'll figure it out because it seemed to always do. So when I asked that, I wondered if you had heard which running back was coming ahead and was pulling ahead, if there was somebody getting the upper hand or if it's too early. I think it's too early. I, I just I don't put a lot of stock in spring ball. It, it's really hard for me to get excited about what I see in spring ball. I, have a, I, I tell this story. I have a friend who's a passionate youth fan, and there was a local kid in spring ball. He ran for over 100 yards, and my friend was so excited about him. He went to the spring game, blah, blah, blah. I brought up his name. I just kind of, yeah, well, I don't think the kid even ran for 100 yards in the season. So trying to gauge, and that was based off the spring game, and now hardly anybody has a spring game. They Basically, it's a spring practice, and they let fans in usually. And if Put them can, on TV and the whole yeah. league's watching. I mean, yesterday so they don't want to do the, anything. Yesterday was the Sun Devils because uh, yeah. the league sets it up, and I think they had 5,000 fans in there, which is pretty good because they, really, you know, they had 
I think I played one or two home games last year, and they had, uh, I think I only played one, and they had uh, no fans. And they had 5,200 fans in there, and they ran around a little bit. And I, I flicked it over, and I watched it. I thought, this is stupid. I mean, I'm really not going to glean anything from this. So um, I'm not discounting competition, and that's what these 15 practices are. But I don't know that I can make a conclusive uh, statement that it's uh, – Pleasure or Bernard or, or whoever. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not uh, in the position to say that. Now, maybe Kyle will say it. And like uh, when he came on last week, I think, what, Friday, and said Brewer was way ahead. Although that's sort of obvious since he's the only guy who has any experience right now because rising's out. So that was no surprise there. And I think with running backs, you know, you're going you're gonna to get your chance and you're going to get it immediately. And so what do you do with that chance is up to you. You know, with the running backs, we're always looking for the we're always looking for the yards after contact. And so until they allow guys to play with contact, you know, how do you how do you grade that? I mean, it's a, it's probably not as hard as uh, grading out quarterbacks because they're not live and they can't be hit. And so it's hard to know until they can be hit exactly how they're going to perform. It rattles some guys. Other guys need the adrenaline rush to really play their best. So it's always dicey grading out quarterbacks when you're not letting them get hit. And you can't let them get hit because you can't have that many injuries because you don't have the depth to handle it. And it's a similar deal at running back. And so until you see what they can do with the yards after contact, it's hard to know for sure what they're going to, how they're going to perform and, and which guy you really want to go with. Yeah, I agree. But sometimes they, the coaches figure it out and they have an idea anyway. Well, I think that's, that's, that's what will help with the non-conference games next season. Weber State to open it up. Uh, you know, the other thing is that coaches can, in a situation like this, and the Utes are, this is very rare for Kyle to be running behind, but for whatever reason they are. So we're still waiting. We'll get to him when he sits down. Yox uh, got his eye on it, and he'll let us know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I think that uh, – and now I lost my train of thought. Seriously, I can't do two things at once. Come on. You can't? Well, apparently not since I just dropped the ball right there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just flat out dropped it, coach. I got no excuses. I dropped it. Well? Oh, the tra- it was about uh, Kyle speaking out in a situation like this. You have to be careful what you say because kids can transfer. But when you're dealing with two positions where kids have already transferred in – You've probably got a little more room to speak freely and honestly. Running back will be a little different than quarterback. Uh, the senior in front of the freshman isn't as big a threat because he's going to be gone in another year anyway, and the job will be open again. So, all right, Kyle's sitting down right now. Here's Kyle Whittingham getting ready to address the media, uh, his uh, Zoom press conference. Here's Kyle. With Coach Whittingham now to start off the Monday morning media availability with some opening comments, and then we'll go to questions. Thank you, Coach. Okay, sorry guys about the uh, delay. We had uh, some logistical issues this morning. Uh, but anyway, here we are. Uh, not a lot to uh, talk about from my point of view, different than what we had Friday. Uh, other than we did have a really uh, outstanding practice on Saturday. It was the first live work of, uh, of the spring. And so it was good to uh, see the, uh, the guys when there was uh, no, no limitations. And uh, it, was a, it was a positive practice, uh, still continue to make progress. And uh, we're now, what, uh, two weeks down, three weeks to go. 
and uh, we'll be on the field uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, uh, getting the weekend off and then finish off uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday in the success of two weeks. So, so things are going well. Uh, no uh, major issues at this point, and uh, that's where we're at. So questions? We'll start off with Trevor Allen, kslsports.com. Kyle, when when you look at the running back position last year, you you had a a four horse race uh, going into the season, and then uh, you know Ty Ty Jordan emerged, and now you've got three running backs, and then Ricky coming in um, later. Do you do you see this being a similar situation going into fall camp, or or is there a guy emerging now? As of now, a very similar situation as last year going into fall camp. Uh, with the three guys that we got uh, at the top of the chart now and then adding Ricky Parks in the summer. Now, that could change. You know, we still got nine practices left this spring, and, and uh, you know, things can happen. People can uh, you know, work their way up or down the depth chart, as the case may be. But, but as it sits right now, that looks like the most, uh, I don't want to say logical, but the most, uh, that I think that's the best bet is that it will be a four-guy four uh, competition between the four guys we're talking about with TJ Pledger, Chris Curry, Makai Bernard, who are here with us now, and then Ricky Parks uh, being added in the summer. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, specifically with Pledger and Curry, you know, they're coming from, you know, two power five programs. They played at a high level. What do they bring to the room in terms of, you know, the maturity and the, um, experience factor also well just those two things for sure uh to start with maturity and, and experience they both have uh been in programs that uh you know, very successful and and uh they're, they're good players and that's something that we, we desperately needed to add to the room is, is more talent and uh they're they're so far as i mentioned last week i think it was the transition they've made is has been very good their work habits uh everything they they know the the, uh, the deal in, in big time college football. I mean, they've been there, done that. So this is this is nothing new to them, and, and uh, so far they fit right in. Just to follow that up, I know that you've addressed this already, but can you just speak to the differences in in maybe their styles and and how they play? Yeah, uh, TJ, uh, more of a, a scat back. I guess you could maybe compare him to John White uh, that was here uh, several years ago, a terrific running back for us, and uh, more of that type of a runner. Uh, whereas Chris Curry's a bigger kid and, and more uh, tackle to tackle uh, oriented, although he does have good speed and quickness to get outside, but but he's a much bigger kid, uh, 20, 25 pounds heavier than, than TJ. And so uh, that's the, you know, the two differences in those guys. Next, we'll go back to Trevor Allen. What does it say about the progress of, of your program when you can get two running back transfers from schools like Oklahoma and LSU? Well, we're related to have them. And uh, I think that our track, uh, our track record and past history with uh, running backs has been very good here as far as a production. And I think it's an attractive place for running backs to come. They, they know that uh, we're going to be running the ball. Uh, a very balanced attack running the ball you know, half the time. And, and uh, I think that's something that uh, it's, you know, it's running back friendly. And so running backs uh, definitely have an interest in our program. That's something that uh, in the recruiting uh, that goes on, we've uh, definitely found out that uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're very attractive to the running backs in this program. 
And then to, to a follow up on that, um, just on, on the old line, um, you've, you've obviously moved Nick, Nick Ford over to center. What does that mean for Orlando Umana? Orlando's uh, working hard and he's, uh, you know, we've got the inside three positions that uh, he fits in any one of those threes, left guard, center, right guard. And that's typical. The inside guys typically uh, can play uh, any three of those spots. And, and Orlando's working for one of those spots right now. Um, and then the outside two guys, you know, are typically you know, right tackle or left tackle oriented, not not uh, cross-training inside. So that that's how we separate. All the inside guys get work pretty much all three positions, but the outside guys stay stay on the edge. But uh, Orlando is having a good spring so far. Uh, he was a little banged up at the end of last season. He's feeling better now, and uh, he's competing every day. Our next question will come from Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Al, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Um, just curious, you know, you talked about the running styles of the running backs. Um, throwing the ball out of the backfield has become a big part of it, maybe with limited numbers at wide receiver. It could be a bigger part of your offense this fall. How do those three guys uh, compare to some pass backs and catching the ball out of the backfield? They've all three got excellent hands and, and uh, run Run, run good routes and very capable. Uh, we've had some terrific backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Devontae Booker's probably the best we ever had here at that particular skill. And uh, But these guys, uh, are all three seem to uh, be complete backs as far as uh, running the football, catching out of the backfield, and picking up blitzes. And that's really what, uh, what you're looking for in a running back is, is a guy that can do all three of those things. Okay, do we have any other questions? One more from Steve Bartle. Morning, Coach. Um, we talked a lot about the uh, the transfers, but I'd be curious to hear about the progress of Makai Bernard. He's, you know, he kind of showcased some things last year in limited reps, but just curious to hear his progress. Yeah, he's uh, come a long way since he's gotten the program. Uh, he's gotten himself bigger and stronger. Uh, he's close to 200 pounds now. Uh, smart kid, uh, and probably if you had to uh, look at just the live work on Saturday, he probably graded the best of the three. Uh, when you talk about just that one isolated uh, portion of practice, which which we uh, put a lot of weight on, you know, the the, uh, the live work is what we uh, you know consider the, the the best barometer of where the players are and what uh, where they're at in the pecking order. And, and Makai really had a good Saturday for us. Okay, thank you very much, Coach. Okay, thank you. There's Kyle Whittingham. All right, PK. Read between the lines when I hear that uh, when I hear that Pledger's uh, uh, a, little, uh, a little more of a, able to go outside, maybe uh, not quite the power back. I think maybe he's got a little edge there. But then he pumps up Bernard at the end for being good in the live work, which matters the most. Can you read the tea leaves and try to figure out who's got the edge? Yeah, I'm going to go with the incoming freshman, Parks, who isn't there yet. Good call by you. <laughs> well, I would suspect that Bernard would be because they've had six practices, and he was there last year under Andy. So Andy's not going to change a whole lot of stuff. Now, what Andy does very well is that he does adapt to his personnel because he spoke about that when he first got there, you know, when he was with Wisconsin. They they're they just breed those offensive linemen <laughs> left and right up there. Double tight and, ends and run yeah, it. And run the ball. I mean, they talk about Utah, man. Wisconsin is right there. Uh, and so he, he mentioned that. And then he was with other places when they had to throw the ball more. So 
Uh, I think the world of Andy Ludwig is an offensive coordinator, so he does adapt to his talent. But right now, he's putting in a system and getting Brewer up to speed and all this stuff. And so there's probably a lot of familiarity that Bernard has. And the other guys are just barely on campus, and they're six practices into it. And there's plenty of time for them to get a hold of what they need to do. So it doesn't surprise me right now that Bernard would have a little bit of a lead. But it's, you know, it's like halfway through the first quarter in an NBA game to, to give you uh, like that. You know, if you get down 10 to 2, you call a timeout, but you don't panic. And so if I'm the other two guys, uh, I don't have any sense of panic, like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get out of the field. I don't think that that's it. So there's plenty of time for them to go forward to see what they're going to do, and then they'll be there, and they'll get to that point. Because even if you get to the point where you're going to get to a point, obviously, for game one, against Weaver, you're going to have a starter. You're going to have some form of a depth chart, have a starter and a second-team guy. But even then, even if you've had – so at that point, what do they have, like 28 spring practices or something, and then the 15 – not spring, but I mean uh, training camp practices, and then the 15. So you're approaching somewhere in the 40, 45 range of practices. And then you have the games. And even then, it can change. I wouldn't be surprised if it does change because what I'm saying is I don't know that the the starter of game one against Weber will be the starter is for going game to four. receive yeah. receive two thirds of the carries. I don't know that. There's a lot of unknown. All right, we're going to catch up with uh, Utah running back coach Kyle McDonald right now. He is sitting down. And uh, we're going to hear from the running backs coach right now, and then the running backs will be up after that. It's good, man. Hey, I wanted to ask you, what specifically, what traits specifically did you guys identify with TJ Pledger and Chris Curry that made you feel like these guys would be the, the best backs to bring into Utah? Well, first and foremost, starting with TJ Pledger, um, he was a, a weekly all-conference performer um, against Texas. So I watched that game extensively uh, with myself, Coach Witt, um, and a number of people on staff. What you got a chance to see about that young man is not only can he catch the ball, but he breaks a lot of tackles and he's very elusive. So we thought that um, with his technique and his skill set that he can come into this offense and be very, very productive. Next we're talking about Chris. Um, Chris is a big physical kid. He runs downhill. Um, really paid a lot of attention to that Sugar Bowl game um, that he had against Oklahoma. Um where he's getting downhill, running through tackles, got a chance to get more and more carries. And you see, you saw that he got stronger and stronger as the game went on. So um, I think that just kind of fits who we are, who we've been, uh, big, tough, physical guys that can have uh, some run after contact. We'll go next to Cole Bagley of the Daily Utah Chronicle. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. How's everything going? Great. So I just wanted to get an idea um, if you'd explain uh, the process of how you brought these two new transfers and Curry and Pledger in so quickly. Um, right fit. 
these guys want to come into a situation. We've done. We have a great tradition here at the running back position. Um, this is a run first team. There's no secret about that. Um, we run to win, and that's just kind of a philosophy of what we do. Um, and they were looking for a place where they can come in and compete right now. This I'm all about competition. Uh, the best player will play. The best player will win. Um, that that player will start, and they wanted that opportunity. So they were looking for a school that um, was able to grant them that opportunity. So it just kind of worked out for for both uh, the players and us. And just a quick follow up: um, once one committed, did that have an effect on the other at all? No. Uh, told both of them that we we're going to wind up bringing another guy in, and at the end of the day, it's all about competing and competition, and. We're going to go out here and, and, and run the rock, and uh, the best player will get it. We'll go next to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, if you're comfortable speaking about this, you know, what have the last three months been like for you from an emotional standpoint, just, you know, trying to process uh, and grieve Ty Jordan's death? Mm. Gotcha. Um when you talk about that process, uh, very tough. Uh, Ty and I were very extremely close. Um, and there's always going to be ups and downs. But at the end of the day, we're a family here and family uh, looks out for each other. You know, got a chance to uh, talk to his family that's down there in, in Texas and in Dallas and the people that are surrounded, uh, that were surrounded with him for his success uh, a lot. And we've gotten a chance to become very close. And again, we'll do anything that we can for them, love them for sure. Uh, but it's just uh, one day at a time. You know, it's like losing a family member. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Um, but you just got to understand that you loved them. They loved you. And you you're hoping that they're at peace. Thank you, Kyle. We'll go next to Hans Olsen, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coach, how difficult is it keeping current players on roster happy? How much work goes into that? Um, and, and is it different than it used to be? Um, it's a little bit different uh, now because uh, you're – we're getting ready to get that one-time transfer uh, done. Uh, guys have an opportunity to go ahead and leave. You have the portal that didn't exist before as well, so guys can hop into the portal and, and wind up going. The problem is, is there's a misconception about the portal. There's a lot of guys sitting in the portal that do not have a home, and a lot of guys don't understand that. Uh, it's really more, I think it was like a third of the guys that hopped into the portal uh, wound up receiving a scholarship. So you might be a person that you might want to uh, transition to somewhere else, but the grass is not always greener on the other side, you know. Um, so it's a uh, it's a tough process, but it's all about who you recruit. It is about who you recruit and what the situation is. You know, I've had uh, guys that wound up leaving the program because they wanted to play. You know, we had uh, Ty Jordan, and he was an All-American. He's an all-conference performer. And I had about four or five guys that were very, very talented. You know, uh, for example, T.J. Green winds up going to Liberty. T.J. Green's a very good football player, you know, but 
I didn't know that a freshman was going to come in here in here and take the reins, you know. So uh, these guys have dreams too. It does. So it, I think each each situation is mutually exclusive. It's 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 a base on base by base basis um, for sure. So uh, it's, it is different for sure. It is. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we are going to treat them as men, respect them. But that's not going to change us coaching them hard. When when you uh, bring in a guy like Pledger and a guy like Curry, do you go to guys on roster, guys like Bernard and others, and say, "Hey, we're bringing in these guys. Are they consulted, or 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 is this just done and then told?" Like, how do you address that with these guys? Uh, I told Makai that we're going to bring in some guys. We're going to rebuild the room. We had one guy on on scholarship on campus, <laughs> so that, I think that's kind of. Uh, I think he understood that part of it. Um, consulted? No, no. We're, I'm not consulting anybody uh, because at the end of the day, we got to do what's what's best for the program. At the end of the day, so we needed to rebuild the room. We went and got guys that can play uh, the best guy we identified guys that can play for the U and we're going to go and compete you can't be scared of competition you can't because if you're scared of competition this is not the place for you our last two will come from Cole Bagley and Steve Bartle yeah coach previously uh, head coach Kyle Whittingham talked um, very highly about the development of Makai Bernard I just wanted to get your assessment on how far he's come he's coming uh, we're getting better uh, blade of grass at a time. You know, got a chance to see flashes on Saturday of what he can do. When things break down, we can get out around the corner. But uh, there's things that we got to continue to work on. He's making strides. Um, and he's he is getting better in all facets of the game, whether it's running the ball, blocking, uh, pass catching. Uh, he's doing a good job, and he's coming along. Last one from Steve Bartle. Uh, well, Coach, uh, you were high on Makai Bernard during his recruitment. Uh, he's, you know, got a lot of potential. Just talk about his growth from day one to now. Exponential. Uh, he has exponentially grown. Um, he's grown as a man, uh, and he's grown as a football player. He's become more mature. When Makai got here, Makai was 17 years old when he got here. He was young. You know, he's just still been in high school. You know, he – he graduated uh, a year before he was supposed to, you know, so it's a maturation process, you know, so to see uh, how he was when he first got here, you know, um, and to where he is now running strong, running physically, uh, it's, it's been good to see. So, and I think that he's got a lot in the tank um, and he knows exactly what he needs to do. So I'm fired up to see where he goes. All right. There's uh, Kyle McDonald, the Utah running back coach and, PK pumping up uh, Makai Bernard right there, who uh, was a 17-year-old freshman. He should have been in high school. Have we heard that before? Doesn't matter. No. And now he's caught up. He's redshirt, and then the freshman year in 2020 doesn't count. So he's still a freshman, and now he, uh, I don't know, do the math. 17, 18, must be 19 now, right? Uh, out of Gar High School in uh, Long Beach. So. We'll see Which how is right off the freeway, by the way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Ninety one. You can see it. You pass it like, right by it. Is it like uh, skyline here, right off the freeway, or Lehigh here, right off the freeway? Oh, it's literally clear right field on the freeway. It would be like uh, what's the school in Nephi? Juab. Juab. Yeah, right there, right there. You can see it. Big bold letters they've got. It's un. It's uh, unmistakable. So. 
Uh, see what he can do. I love how these guys like to tell you, and hey, there's no guarantee you get a scholarship if you go in the portal. See, that's all about the agenda. Don't put yourself in the portal because you may not get a scholarship. Kyle did tell us on Friday that there's uh, one scholarship for every four or five guys. Right, in the they managed to tell you that because that means don't leave me. See, they, they, everyone has an agenda. That's 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 the point they're making. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. DJ PK, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Chris Curry, Utah running back, transfer from LSU, part of their championship team in 2019. Now a Ute, he's sitting down. Here he is. Um, you know, for you, uh, we, we haven't had the opportunity to hear from you, but ultimately what led to your, what led to your decision to come to Utah? Uh, to send out my, my family, praying about it. Uh, I feel like it was the right decision to make. Next question will come from Trevor Allen of KSL Sports. You uh, played, played with uh, Joe Burrow and, uh, you know, ha- haven't talked to other LSU people. They've they've said that in, in that Sugar Bowl game, he, you know, really preached to the coaches to, to start you. What What was it like playing for a guy like Joe Burrow? Uh, first and foremost, Joe, Joe Burrow is an amazing guy, um, a great, great character, just a great human being. Uh, it's, it's an honor just to play with a, just to say to play with a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, and for him to speak up for me, it, it just speaks volume. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Obviously, you were part of the. LSU team that, that won the national championship. What what things did you learn from that, and what what can you bring now to this program from from that opportunity? Uh, physicality, toughness, uh, the swagger. You know, we play with a lot of swagger, and I feel like we could bring that to uh, University of Utah. Next question will come from Bill O'Reilly with ESPN Seven Hundred. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. So you, you said it was a family decision and you prayed on it, but clearly there had to be some football related in there too. What was it you liked about the Utah football program and how much did you know about Utah before you, before you made the decision to come here? Oh, uh, it's crazy. I really didn't know nothing from you, like nothing at all from Utah. Uh, just speaking with Coach McDonald, Coach Mack, uh, he really guided me, took me in like a father figure and just showed me the ropes. Uh, I think guys like Makai showing me the ropes too around the Utah. Any more questions, Chris? All right, thank you, Chris. Well, there were some short, definitive answers right there, PK. Did he say he said Kyle? Oh, oh, Kyle Whittingham and Coach McDonald. Okay, we said Coach Mack. That caught my ear there yeah, for, well, for a second. There, I what was did like, Ron McBride tell Hold on, <laughs> Ronnie Mack. Yeah. Which wouldn't surprise me, uh, absolutely. I mean, they, they Coach McBride knows people everywhere. He really does. All right, here's TJ Pledger now. Good morning, TJ. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. So you probably had a lot of offers when you went into the portal. What what led you to choose Utah over the other schools? Um, you know, really just the, the tradition Utah holds at the uh, running back position and um, just building a great relationship with uh, Coach McDonald. And you know, you just being able to, you know, look at the opportunity and understand what the position I'm walking into and, uh, you know, aiming to take advantage of that. Next question will come from Steve Bardo with the Ute Zone. 
TJ, you had an incredible high school career in Southern California. I'm sure you've got a lot of friends and family uh, that are excited to to have you closer to home. What's that like? What's that feeling like to to be able uh, to have the opportunity to play in front of your friends and family now? Man, that means everything. You know, winding down my college career, you know, being able to come back to this side of the, of the coast and, and play in front of my family and, you know, new fans, you know, it means a lot to me. And uh, just being able to play guys, you know, for, for a while I haven't played a lot of people that I know because I've been in the Big 12, you know. But coming back to the West Coast and being able to play some familiar faces, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Next question will come from Bill Riley with ESPN 700. TJ, now that you've been here for a minute and you've had a couple of weeks of practice, mm-hmm. how are you acclimating to Andy Ludwig's offensive system and, and what do you make of the, the talent around you in this team? Mm-hmm. Man, you know, I think we, we got a great team, you know, being around these guys, being able to, you know, transition from winter workouts to spring and seeing some of these guys move around and play. You know, you know, this is a fast physical team, and uh, especially on the uh, on both sides of the ball, but up front, you know, on, on both, definitely up front on both sides. But, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's been going good. You know, uh, the offense, I'm loving it. Um, you know, just, just trying to work on different things every day just so I can, you know, be my best self and, you know, be able to play fast and, you know, not have to think. So everything's going good. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Good morning, TJ. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Doing great. Um, just curious. You know, you, uh, since you've joined the program now, are there any areas of, of your game that you're focusing on specifically or any areas of your game that the coaches have told you that you need to improve before the season starts? Well, you know, me, uh, you know, looking back at last season, you know, I, I kind of want to evolve my game in, in every aspect, physicality, speed, you know, uh, explosive plays, route running, everything. So, you know, I'm an open book right now. And, you know, whatever the coaches, whatever the coaches, you know, want to work on with me, you know, I'm open to it and, just continue to develop my game and so I can play at the highest level possible. So I would say all around. All right, that was your final question. Thank you, TJ. The running back room, it's a place a few words, PK. Uh, I thought Pleasure had Brief more and direct. Words. I thought it was fine. More? Yeah, okay, more words. Those are pretty short sessions right there. All right, so there you go. There are the two Ute running backs who uh, have transferred into the program. T.J. Pledger uh, coming from Oklahoma as a junior, and Chris Curry, a sophomore from LSU, and they're competing with uh, Makai Bernard, who uh, we heard earlier, if you just joined us, we heard from Kyle Whittingham, we heard from uh, Kyle McDonald, the running backs coach. Uh, Bernard was uh, impressive and has progressed a lot. He was impressive Saturday when they – allowed some contact there and went live in their practice. So he's a freshman. So they're the three running backs who seem to be jumping out right now and seem to be uh, battling for playing time. Well, yeah, those are the guys they got. So those are the three right now and allowed the other kid down the road. Uh, so competition, the more competition you can have, particularly at running back, uh, I think that uh, it was really bodes well for you because you know – you can get playing time if you are the best that you can be. You can get out on that field. It's different than in quarterback where you know you could be really good but not get out on the field. And we've seen that with a number of quarterbacks. I mean, they just brought up uh, what's-his-face uh, down at LSU. Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, he didn't get out on the field at Ohio State, right? So he leaves. And Justin Fields was at Georgia, and he leaves. 
Well, running back, I don't think you have to do that. You know that you can get out on the field if you're given everything you have and deserve to get out there. Yeah, the second guy gets in, if, if, the, if the starter goes two or three possessions, he's going to need a break. If he breaks off a 40 or 50 yarder, he'll probably come to the sideline. And there's situational stuff, too. You can be the third down back, and then once you have a role, you can expand it a little bit because you play well. So there's opportunities that don't exist for a quarterback. Right. So you know, these guys here, you know, they're transferring. And obviously there's a reason that they're transferring. So maybe they appreciate the opportunity a little bit more. I'm not so caught up that they're coming over from big-name programs because obviously LSU and Oklahoma are big-name programs. We understand that. Uh, Utah, in my mind, as far as running back, it's a big-name program too. You know, it may not have the overall – the luster and glory relative to Oklahoma and LSU. I understand that. But at the, I'm speaking specifically at the running back position. At the running back position, they are a big-name program as far as I'm concerned because that's why they're getting guys from big-name programs because at the running back spot, they are a big-name program. They want to come here because they know – as a McDonald, and we can uh, cut that up. Y'all can save that, you know. We run to win. Because when he said that, I heard you fans, a little bit of cringing there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It is true, but they haven't won. They've won a lot, but they want the win at the higher level. And you're close. It's not like your University of Arizona where you're way down and just trying to get where Utah is is an amazing amazing accomplishment. If this new coach Fisher can do that in the next year or two, man, he'll, well, what he'll do is he'll take off and go someplace else. But nevertheless, that would be a great uh, advancement of their program. Utah's already there. That's been established. And now they're really close. They're literally a game away from going to the Rose Bowl. In their, what, their uh, eighth and ninth years in the conference. I think that's pretty awesome. But yet they haven't gotten it done, right? So what's it going to take? And it's and I think from the Utah fans' perspective, it's not going to take run the ball more. Because <laughs> they already do that. It's going to take have success, more success in the throw game, as Kyle Whittingham likes to say. So uh, when you have McDonald, we run the football here. Yeah, we run the ball to win. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do, you bleeper bleepers. And so forget you, this is what we do. Now that's his position too, and he's going to be judged a lot. Uh, two things, you know, recruiting and then his position being successful. Well, running back coach at Utah, man, you got a leg up because you're probably going to be successful because the boss really wants it. <laughs> Well, running backs can be anywhere. I mean, there are plenty of uh, big-time schools, Ohio State and USC and Georgia and Alabama, who've you know turned out NFL thousand-yard rushing running backs. But hey, so did UTEP. So you know you can be from anywhere. So did Illinois State, and they got thousand-yard rushers in the NFL. So you could be from anywhere. You don't have to get too hung up on that. On that, I mean, the bigger schools don't tend to miss on running backs. They make sure they get a good one. So that's why you see those guys in the NFL. And I think Utah belongs in that category now. Well, they've, they've put multiple guys into the NFL. They are now. a bigger yeah. school, as far as I'm concerned. And they were, doing, they were putting running backs in the NFL when they were in the Mountain West. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. There's a lot of names to point to. But this, the Pac-12 running backs, the Pac-12 era running backs, have, have carved out a good space in the NFL. That's what he does. 
Yeah. As I say, I, I think some some Ute fans were cringing a little bit when McDonald, we run to win. Sure, you do, and you win a lot. Now, could you win the Pac-12 title game? But 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 because <laughs> that you, one would really pump everybody up. I know you're in a conference though that doesn't necessarily run to win. No, the conference has got an awesome history of providing NFL quarterbacks. And guys on the other end catching the ball too. Yeah, NFL wide receivers. You're right, and, and so you know you gotta you gotta get better at that. You you have to if you want to be the last team standing in December, and you got to get better at that. Uh, but you got to be careful because you can't strip your identity completely and go doing things that you're not set up to do. That's where I think Ludwig comes in and is such a great asset to the program because he has so much experience that he can figure out what we need to do and really put guys in the, in the position to succeed is because of his experience of evaluating the talent and how it fits together collectively and individually and what's the best way to utilize that talent. I mean, I think that particularly at that position at play caller, and it's probably every position and every job everywhere across the country, or world for that matter, but I especially think on – Offensive coordinators, experience. I was thinking about this over the weekend because, you know, you see Zach Wilson, who wasn't offered a scholarship by Utah. And now he's going to go second in the draft, and he's he's literally just 20 miles from campus. Yikes. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. That just that hurts. That leaves a mark. There's a big old bruise there. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, like, it's not going to get missed because coaches negatively recruit, and those other staffs aren't missing anything. And this is going to come up to the next quarterback they recruit. It's going to come up to the next five quarterbacks they recruit. It's going to come up to quarterbacks until this staff puts a quarterback in the NFL. They're just going to keep bringing it up. Well, they, they, Tyler Huntley did play in the NFL, uh, but also, too, the other staff at BYU missed on him. Let's not forget that. Not, not really covering themselves in glory. The other staff, which was all changed over. Yeah. And, and fortunately for uh, Fessy Sataki and Aaron Roderick, they had a relationship with Zach Wilson. And those are the guys largely responsible. And he wanted to stay home, if at all possible. And who doesn't understand that? If you want to have your family there. And, and heaven knows the program is a lot better with Lisa Wilson being there. And sitting on the front row and and having her go off on Instagram, and now she gets to revel in it. Uh, my wife uh, coaches golf, and she was telling me that there's this golfer, I won't name names, uh, but uh, the, the gal's mom just prances around like she's all that. Yeah, because her kid's all that. We every, every parent whose kid is all that prances around. It's <laughs> just the way it is. So the kid wanted to stay home, and they took advantage of that. But they missed it, and the point I was making – you know, maybe they miss and Ty Detmer, everybody loved him and all, but he was a high school coach. And so when you're an offensive coordinator, you not only have to figure out your guys, but you have to anticipate what the other guy, the other defensive coordinator is doing. And it's a tough job. And I think Utah is in a great spot. I actually think both programs are in great spots because they have experience guys. And we saw that when Jeff Grimes came in and then they bring Aaron Roderick. All of a sudden you went from very little experience to tons of experience. And I think we saw the difference there, particularly this last season. And I think we have seen a difference there at Utah's offense. So I'm optimistic that they'll have more success 
in all forms of offense this season. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. The Jazz are building another win streak. They've got some winnable games in front of them. And we'll get his thoughts on the Elite Eight and the regional finals. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Howard Beck, Sports Illustrated. The Jazz have the Grizzlies three times in six nights. You get the chance to really get to know an opponent just like you do in a playoff series and you scout them more. During a normal regular season, you're not tailoring your strategies to your opponent. It's not until the playoffs usually that you really seriously game plan based on who you're facing. Three games out of four, I would imagine, Quinn Snyder and his staff are actually digging into it a little bit more. It's also a team that conceivably the Jazz could be facing in a 1-8 matchup. That'll make things interesting. A little bit more of a chess match, perhaps. I mean, I knew this season, obviously, they're getting getting teams to play twice in a row quite often, but three times in four games? That's wild. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Well, here we go. Last play of the game. And... Has Johnson the will let it fly. He's got plenty of distance. It's up in the air. Who's he got, got it? it. He caught it. He caught it. <laughs> Are you kidding oh my me? Word. Malone. Justin Malone. Weaver State tight end Justin Malone hauls in the Hail Mary as time runs out, and Weaver State. Improves to 3-0 and by beating PK's NAU Lumberjacks. Broke my heart. 28-23. Your Lumberjacks with a money drive. 95 yards against the clock for the go-ahead score with 17 seconds left, and yet they get their hearts broken anyway. They left too much time on the clock. They it's did. Always, 17 seconds was way too NAU's much. Always been NAU's problem. Leave too much time on the clock. <laughs> and you two ding-dongs are looking for a play of the game, a play of the week, and you couldn't come up with it? Fact. Thank goodness you we were here. Thought it. Thank goodness you showed up. <laughs> Thank goodness you were here. Jeez, it's traveling. Uh, that that play. I mean, I'm not going to put it up against Zach Wilson and the throw. But that ball was in the air, a good 60 yards, was it not? And way in the air. Uh, the thing about Malone catching that way ball. Yes, you have to beat all the other defenders to it. But uh, it looked like that ball fell out of the sky out of like a 12th floor window or something. It was coming straight down at him. Heck of a catch. Yeah. And it wins the game in the number two team in the country in the FCS rankings is now 3-0. and Weber State gets the W. 50th career win for Jay Hill. So, all right, there it is. Know that today. That's a Chevy Strong play of the game. And know it today at 4 50 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. All right, we got Steve Cleveland coming up. We're going to talk some hoops with him, talk about the uh, Jazz putting together a win streak here. And they got Cleveland at home tonight. Also, the Elite Eight with three Pac 12 teams in Gonzaga. We got a lot of rooting interest, storylines that uh, uh, more fans uh, know and follow in this part of the country. The biggest surprise. Of all the teams, is it uh, Oregon State or UCLA? USC's got talent. You can't be, you can't be completely surprised that they're having success. But Oregon State and UCLA, don't think anybody, don't think very many people in their brackets had either one of these teams in the Elite Eight. 
if you do, you're doing you're doing great in your bracket. No, I'm just so happy for Wayne Tinkle's daughters. <laughs> That's what you take away from this. This is the best moment of their lives. Yeah, I mean, I always thought SC had the best talent in the league. Uh, uh, Mobley, Mobley reminds me now he's that he's not the player, but he's a very good player and he'll go very high. But he's got like six and a half feet legs. He reminds <laughs> me of those old pictures you used to see of Lou Alcindor. Uh, All legs. Like, yeah, he's like <laughs> these legs just never end. You know, you've seen them in those those black and white photos of uh, when Kareem was Lou Alcindor back when playing at UCLA. With, uh, yeah, yeah, and I I I can picture this picture in my mind. He's got like, well, it'd be black and white, so I assume it's like white shorts. And he's so skinny, but yet so just dramatically talented. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I I think this doesn't make any sense. But in terms of the greatest player of all time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the most underrated greatest player of all time. Wait, wait, wait! What category is this you just created? Greatest nope. player of all time, the goat. Uh huh. Well, Everything a- Jordan has. Abdul-Jabbar also has six titles, but yes, he yeah, doesn't. But but but, but he the Kareem got to play with Magic and Michael didn't. So the degree of difficulty, let's face it, Magic made the game a little easier for the people around him. Uh, you could be the biggest Larry Bird, Michael Jordan honk ever, but you got to admit, Magic made the game a little easier. Well, no one, as Jake Scott will tell you a thousand times over, I'm the biggest Magic Johnson honk that there is. I understand that, but still. Uh, yeah, and you're right. I, I can't argue that. And I'm not saying he should be, but I'm saying he doesn't even get discussed. But the, the titles, the points, <laughs> the MVPs, I mean, yeah. he's got all that stuff just over and over and over. Right. But right. it's Jordan and it's Russell. What about uh, Russell? And then and and it's LeBron. like right through, right through Kareem. Just right through him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He should be. But Kareem got to play with Magic, and that, he got five of six titles with Magic, and nobody else got to play with a player of that caliber. I mean, love Scottie Pippen, but come on. He's <laughs> not, not on the magic shelf. That's not happening. And Russell played with a ton of Hall of Famers, but he didn't play with the magic. Mm, okay. And at the same time, the uh, Bulls never had to go through the Celtics of the greatest Celtic mm, team. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, not the greatest, but they were awesome. They were. They were three-time champs their own. At that time, yeah. And so they had to go through that. And that's why I don't know that you can really compare errors and all that stuff. But I just think that uh, he doesn't get the respect he deserves. He should be in the discussion, and it should be right there. And, and that's what I think about that. But as far as SC goes, yeah, to me, Mobley is an extremely talented player. Uh, he's skinny in all legs. And so, yeah, I had – to see them, I didn't know if they're going to go this far, but uh, to see them this far doesn't really surprise me. The other two, uh, you know, do we chalk it up to a crazy season? And it's all in. Uh, There's hot tourney runs every year, though. So I don't know that I can totally put it on that, but I would yeah, have to list them both as hot tourney runs. Okay, but multiples, having a low seeds like that. Uh, to, to advance, has there been that? I'm not a historian. And, and uh, probably not many. Back. I would think you're onto something there. I would say that the selection committee this year, of all the weirdness this year, there were so few non-conference games that for the selection committee to really sort out these seeds, especially when you get down into 
you know, 6, 8, 10, 12. I mean, that, there's very little difference a lot of times. You can just see that looking at the history of the tournament and who wins 6, 11 games and who wins 7, 10 games. There's not much difference there. And so when you take away the non-conference games, you know, some tournaments happened, some didn't, and you take that stuff away, now the selection committee is just looking and you only play inside this little conference bubble. And so how do you compare conference to conference? It's never an easy job being the selection committee. It was probably harder this year. And there were probably teams that were seated 11 who should have been sevens and all that kind of stuff. Would it, be, would it be so outrageous if they were, you know, a seven seed instead of an 11? Uh, perceivably not. But I think that uh, from, from the Bruins' standpoint, it's the four losses to end the yep. season. Yep. And, uh, but then you look State. at the teams they played in that run, and they played a lot of Sweet 16 and Elite 8 teams, as it turned out. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is coming up next. Stay with us.